0: Welcome back to the What's Your Want More podcast here on episode 65. I'm joined again with one of my standing co-host, Daniel Halverson, for our Lending Update. Thanks for joining us today, my friend. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Glad to have you back. It's been a little bit. So, you know, this Lending Update is jam-packed with a lot of information. And let's just kick it right off with, you know, home prices. You know, we've been hearing in the news all this information about it's a bubble, it's going to drop. I mean, I feel like I've been hearing headlines like this since 2014, but the stats don't lie. And we're here to talk about them this morning that, you know, some of the things I've noticed is that we have three major resources to kind of gauge what we would call home appreciation, right? We have the FHFA, which is the Federal Housing Finance Authority's index that they have to keep up with conventional loan prices. And, and we, they get all that information from, you know, Fannie and Freddie, et cetera. And then we also have, you know, CoreLogic, which we'll talk a little bit about. And then we have the Case-Shiller Index as well, which is kind of, you know, the gold standard, if you may, is what they call that on there. And that represents all transactions. Um, and we'll get into that here in a minute. So why don't you kick it off and kind of walk us through that? Hey, listen, it doesn't look like home prices are going down, and it doesn't look like the news is really kind of telling us the truth here.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's pretty wild that we still continue to hear <clears throat> about uh, about home prices and you know the market and. Challenges and and I think that it really just points to what we've been talking about for a while. But you know, inventory is is it's it's constricted, and we're starting to see home prices go up. You know, pretty considerably. It doesn't really matter what you look at, and you know, I know you talked about FHFA, Case Shiller, uh, CoreLogic, but you can also throw in there Black Knight, Zillow. I mean, I mean, list goes on and off. Every every data source <laughs> that's tracking real estate prices is showing prices going up and. Um, you know, March were some pretty pretty big numbers, which is expected as we move into the seasonality of real estate. But mm-hmm. um, but even April, which is you know not expressly part of our, our lending update that we published, I mean CoreLogic and Black Knight, I mean CoreLogic showed another uh, over one percent increase in in property values just in the month of April. So yeah, so
0: all the data that's coming out now is for essentially the, the month of March or April that we're getting right
1: now. Correct. Yeah, yeah and it's and, always
0: lagging information. Yeah, you
1: know, we showed the the FHFA data primarily in our, our lending update, which was for Q1 of 2023. Um, but, you know, really showing that home prices, I think the big takeaway here is home prices are high, higher now than they were at the previous peak in summer of 2022. Yeah, that's a huge takeaway from what I'm so reading So prices were roaring in 2022. They, you know, they, they came down. Now, year over year, they were still up considerably, mm-hmm. very much considerably. But you know, lost some of the steam of of another you know high double digit year, which was kind of the pace that we were on. Mm-hmm. But to see now, even with with a little bit of a pullback, now we're we're Q one twenty twenty three. We've been sitting in this high rate environment for going on a year now, and we're seeing prices. You know, in Jacksonville, we were almost eight percent up in in twenty twenty two, and depending on what forecast you're looking at, you could end up anywhere from four to five percent to. Depending on these summer months go, I mean, you could be looking at a high single digit appreciation. Yeah, year possibly year. even ten.
0: So, yeah, it's kind of wild to think about. You know, when I look at the the the, the disparity between that Case Shiller or excuse me, Case Shiller and that FHFA index, the disparity there for me is that one of those measures a cash transaction. That Case Shiller measures a cash transaction, yep. and then FHFA does not, which kind of poses the 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 ideology that cash is king right? Because if I have cash, I might be able to get a better deal. I might be able to work or negotiate a contract. So that's why we see a lower number there on that case Schiller. But on the FHFA, we saw a higher appreciation number, which kind of bodes the question, are are buyers maybe paying more for the home or are buyers financing in more closing costs? Is the seller giving them more concessions to make that nope. transaction
1: happen? Well, we were just talking, you know, off off record here, off recording, but, you know, 40% p- plus, of sellers are offering concessions. Now that was a wow. It was a nationwide article. That's sure. obviously very market specific, but there's there's that that train of thought of hey, well maybe people that are financing are offering more to get closing costs to get rate buy downs. Um, maybe that's reflective of that. You know the cash sales. Maybe that's in the higher luxury market. The dynamics are a little bit different there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we focused on FHFA primarily just because that's the market that you know that's where we live. That's where obviously. we live, right? That's where um, most people live, by the way. Yeah, I mean that's, that's I the think bulk it's of the market more reflective of of most people that are interested in what's going on in the housing market, which or, is also why the FHFA kind of sets the price points
0: of the conventional loan limits each year. It's all based around that parameter, not necessarily the Case-Shiller index. Yep. So to your point, that's where most of the financing lives, and that's why it sets the loan limits moving forward each year. And we'll get those again in November of this year as they kind of or, you know readjust um, maybe for following twenty twenty four.
1: Yeah, but I you know it's the second month in a row we, we started with. Home prices, because just in case you know, just in case the lending update's not quite the talk of the town yet. <laughs> um, just, just interesting to see another month prices are going up again, and and it, like I said, it speaks really to limited inventory, which is a problem that's not going to quickly correct itself, right? Uh, and even and the big thing is is one, home prices are higher now than they've ever been, right? Um, but the other thing is this is this is navigating through a higher interest rate market. Mm-hmm. So if 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 interest rates come down you're probably going to see that accelerate even more because you've got a lot of uh, the restriction of inventory, you know, obviously is partially attributed to a lot of sellers don't want to sell right. because they've got these low interest rates, but you know, you might see you might see a, a frenzy of buyers if interest rates come down a little bit, so we we continue to to see the market prices are going up even despite higher interest rates. Well, you know, we've been calling that a mobility rate issue on the
0: podcast, yep. but I heard another term the day called the lock in the lock-in. And the lock-in is a seller that's locked in at a lower interest rate that just finds like they they can't move on to something else because they're locked into this low payment, locked into this rate. I thought that was a really good term the way that was put. Yep. But you know, if I'm a real estate agent, I'm listening to this portion. Normally we wrap it up at the end. I'm going to go ahead and just fire right out the gate. A couple things I'm taking away from this right now. The news is telling our customers, telling our buyers, telling our sellers, home prices are coming down. Stats are saying something completely different. We're also entering the summer months where we're going to be getting higher. We're definitely going to be getting higher transaction counts. It's a seasonality thing at this point more than it is a forecast. And then also we saw where one we heard $1.5, $1.4 trillion worth of purchase business is going to be done this year. Yep. Yep. That just happens to be the fourth best year in the history of purchase business. So we got the news telling us, ah, we're in a bubble. Things are not gonna go well. We got all these forecasts where people are saying, oh, buyers wanna wait until home prices go down. That's not happening. The prices aren't going down. Buyers are buying, they're selling our rates, and we're going to do 1.4 to $1.5 trillion for the purchase business, the fourth best year of record for purchase business. But that's not what our customers are hearing. That's not what our sellers are hearing. And that's not what a lot of real estate agents in the business are hearing right now. I think that's really important to take that away from this section right now.
1: Yeah. And we're also seeing a lot of situations where home goes on the market, multiple offers, yes, under contract in 24 hours. And once again, you know, that's not necessarily indicative of every market or every listing. But, um, you know, we're back to a market where, you can put a house up on Friday and be under contract over the weekend with with multiple offers. So it's just, as inventory remains to be, you know, remains constricted, I mean, we're going to continue to see prices accelerate. Yeah, and I mean, I think
0: to kind of just bring this down to our audience, because I think this is really important, housing is a necessity. You have to have a roof over your head at some capacity, right? right. Would you say a refrigerator is a necessity as well? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I, would, I think it would be. <laughs> a refrigerator is a necessity. So what happens if all of the refrigerator makers— went to making a tenth of the amount of refrigerators that they were making. And there's a limited amount of inventory at all the appliance department stores. Are those prices going to go up or are they going to stay steady?
1: They're going to go up or we're going to see a lot of canned goods. They're going to go up. We're going to see a lot of canned goods, right? (laughs) Great
0: point. Or how about this? How about this? Are people going to resell? The current model they have that's working for a higher price than what they paid, and right. maybe go buy a new one that has availability to add more money to, right? Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of things you look at, but when people tell me that housing is going to go down, they are completely discounting the fact that the supply involved in that equation is at an all time low based on the amount of people looking to buy. And I think that's just so overlooked and it's so underrated in the equation of the argument of home prices are going to come down. Yep. And so to me, it just, it just baffles me, which kind of leads us to our next thing is that. You know, um, in Florida, we've got some of these special, basically, Florida home buying programs, and we just got a boost to that program, allowing for higher income limits on the loan applications. You want to kind of break that down for the audience?
1: Yeah. So, and we'll we'll touch on the broader theme here of of, of this, but specifically, this is good news for first time home buyers. Mm-hmm. So we we talk a lot about affordable housing. It's something we talk about not just on this podcast, but you know, at, at Bank of England, the lending update. There's generally something in here that has something to do with affordability. Sure. And uh, new new income limits have been announced for those programs. And basically the takeaway is depending on the program, the income limits are different. We'll obviously put that information in the show notes, but income limits went up from anywhere from 10% to over 20% from last year on some of these programs. Um, And not announced yet, but you've got Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are um, rumored to, at some point in June, release their uh, updated median income limits, which impact other affordable housing programs that are not state State of Florida related, related, (laughs) but they're national related. So we're expecting to see a bump in those income limits, Um, FHA, Um, You know, at some point with some of their their programs and things that are impacted by median income limits, those income limits will be available. So we're seeing those income limits jump. And uh, I think it really just points to, you know, from an inflation standpoint, home prices obviously have gone up, interest rates have gone up but wages have also gone up as well. So, if you're talking with with customers that are upset about interest rates and having to maybe make a lar- pay more than they were hoping to pay, well, mm-hmm. the flip side of the coin there is is incomes have increased pretty considerably as well to offset some of that. Now, I'm not saying that it offsets the entire right. you know the, the entire cost increase with respect to how significantly mortgage rates went up. But uh, you start looking at factors that are that are impacting affordability, and incomes are are going up at a pretty considerable rate, and they have, which is reflected in ten to twenty percent increases. I mean, there are years where these income limits don't change at all. Correct. In the past, there are, there are years when those income limits change by you know a thousand dollars, but now we've got 10, twenty and then twenty you know, percent. Yeah, we've That's got three we, percent in two years. We've got twenty twenty plus thousand a year in additional income for these programs. So now you've got. You know, pretty much across the board, six-figure incomes can get first-time homebuyer assistance. Yeah, I think it's phenomenal. Again, I'm going to back up here, and I'm going to
0: say, if I'm a real estate agent, here's what I take away from this section. Right now, I got a customer that's complaining, if I'm a real estate agent, complaining to my lender, hey, I'm not okay with where rates are today. I didn't want – rates have jumped on me. I want a lower rate. I want a lower rate. Talk to the audience a little bit about the the sophistication of using if you qualify right this bond program and Hometown Heroes because these are municipalities that they've sold earlier and they've secured lower rates.
1: Yeah, and we had Chip White on the podcast you know a month or two ago, mm-hmm. but with the Florida Housing Finance Programs, you know some of those uh, some of their offerings are are quote unquote bond loans, mm-hmm. and that basically means they sold municipal bonds to fund the program. And that interest rate stays the same until all of those funds are used. So if we have a market where we've we've seen recently with you know the last couple of weeks of May, interest rates went up considerably. Correct. Guess what? That program interest rate didn't change and it got to a point where it was about a half percent below what the market would bear, which you would generally expect the opposite on a lot of these housing programs, sometimes the interest rates can be, you know, a good bit higher than what you could get somewhere else um
0: but, but not the case
1: not the case. correct right so they've been lower so so the the stability of the interest rates on some of these housing programs is a huge benefit to buyers that are probably the most susceptible to changes in interest rate impacting their qualifications right
0: so if i'm hearing you correctly if i'm a real estate agent and i've got a buyer that's in that first time category whether they haven't owned a home in three years or they are truly a very first time homeowner why wouldn't I not call my mortgage lender and I would make sure, do you participate in one of these programs? Yep. And then if you do, what a great hedge against the current market. You know, We talk about hedging, we talk about things that you could do. If I'm a loan originator, I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute, I can't control the market. I can't even control my company's hedge. But if I have this product at my disposal, if I have the Florida housing programs at my disposal, I could almost create my own hedge against rates going up if I have borrowers, which a lot of borrowers fit into this category, by the way, with the new income limits. Nope. I mean, we're seeing loan sizes in the 500s for these products, which we just haven't seen before. So what a great opportunity. Again, if I'm a real estate agent and I have a borrower that's upset about the rates or the rates aren't going the direction they want them to go, I would talk to my lender about, do you participate in the Florida housing programs? Because there's some hedge there that you can take advantage of. Yeah. And
1: historically it's been, hey, if you need the assistance, this is a great option. If you don't need the assistance, maybe it's not, but-, but- It's kind of shifted a little bit to where okay, well, even if I don't necessarily need the assistance, maybe just take it anyway, get the lower rate. Yes, that money has to be repaid, but if you're putting it all on the down payment, then it's a net it's a net sum zero at that point. Correct. So yeah, it's a it's a great thought of how can I get the best interest rate possible.
0: And if I'm hearing you correctly, you don't even have to use the assistance,
1: right? You could just do the loan without the assistance. Is that right? Well, and very there are some there very few exceptions to that, but but. A good number of these programs you would have to take the assistance, gotcha. but if, but once again, if you have the money otherwise, you could use that money all towards a down payment, or if you can negotiate the seller to pay some of the closing costs, you could take that assistance and put it all on the down payment. Gotcha. So okay. you're, Makes you're, even though that sense. money has to be repaid, it's going to be, it's, it's being paid down on the principal. So it's not like you're coming into a property under equity. Yeah. As opposed to if you were using that money, you know, split between. Down payment and closing costs. Yeah, and I know
0: that's a lot of details for the audience. What I think the point I just want to hammer home is what a great opportunity to hedge against a rise in interest rates if your lender, such as Bank of England, participates in something like this. That's really important. So, from a real estate agent's perspective, make sure you've got this tool in your toolbox for your buyers as they don't, you know, as this rising rate environment can kind of have them in the crosswinds of that. And that's just not fair to them. So, what a great opportunity. And there's a couple of things that the, the housing, excuse me, Florida housing community is doing to make some of their other products even stronger. And one of them is the elimination of some of their upfront fees that they had.
1: Yeah, that's really been the, the knock on if, you, if you're if there's going to be a knock on some of the Florida housing programs over the years, it's closing costs are higher. Um, and basically, historically, that's been, most of those programs carry a 1% loan origination fee. So Mm -hmm. 1% is 1% of the loan amount. right? And it definitely eats into the assistance. You know, if you're buying a $300,000 house, you got a $3,000 fee right off the top. So if you're getting $10,000, well, 30% 30 of that's been eaten up. So, but essentially July 1st, that's being completely removed. And once again, a a big step up from the Florida Housing Agency to recognize, hey, our mission is affordable housing. How do we make these programs more accessible? How do we make them more beneficial? So to find a way to make this program work without that 1% origination fee, now you've got a program that's closing cost-wise is less than a non-housing program. Mm -hmm. So because you're also exempt from the mortgage documentary stamp and the intangible taxes. Yeah. So now you've got a program where the closing costs are actually lower than you could get without this program. So uh, just, I mean, like I said, just a big win and, and kudos to the Florida Housing Agency for recognizing, hey, if we want to make this program maximize the benefits, this is the best way we can do that.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. And I think it's fantastic. And as we kind of move into the last portion of every lending update we do is the old like, oh my gosh, talk to me about rates, what's going on. I mean, at this point in your career, how many times do you find yourself talking to someone, not necessarily about the rate product, you know, that a customer could achieve, right? Or that the loan officers can present to a customer, just in general to
1: people about mortgage rates. Yeah, it's funny, the first, you know, Ten years in the business was well. Interest rates are going to go up at some point, guys. Take take advantage, <laughs> right? right? So that we spent the first first uh, ten years saying, "Well, rates are going to go up," and we we that wasn't wasn't happening, you know. So <laughs> well, maybe this ride will continue forever. But now the conversation has shifted to, like you said, it, I think the general public has a lot more questions about what interest rates are doing. Why are they doing that? How do I know when to lock a rate? How do mm-hmm. I know how to navigate this? So we find ourselves a lot more looking at interest rates trying to figure out the why you know trying to maybe project what the future holds and it's been a little bit challenging I'd say over the last 90 days because i think a lot of what we still anticipate is going to happen just hasn't quite happened yet so uh, we yeah, thought- it's been pushed down the road. I mean, eventually, you know, a lot of the forecasts that we're saying
0: hasn't happened in the time frame anticipated. It's going to happen. Like, it's, it's almost guaranteed it's going to happen. But now it's just that timeline has been stretched. Yep. And there's been some things that have happened that have caused that. You know, obviously, the, the way, just most recently, the debt ceiling. Like, yep. you don't forecast yep. that happening and what happened there to kind of cause and drag that out, but it did. And so there's certain things that have gotten in the way and delayed some of the inevitable that we're talking about. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family and I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast.
1: Well, let's talk about just you know the month of May as an overview. From April to May, we saw rates go up throughout May into June. We saw rates go up again. They went from basically six point seven three to um, you know six point eight eight. I think was where the month ended. Okay. And um, first and foremost, let's talk about inflation, which is kind of where we've, we've focused a lot of our rate conversations. So in May, May 10th, the CPI consumer price index, inflation reading came out. We got good news again. So headline CPI saw inflation go down below 5%, a whopping (laughs) 4.9, so, but we're inside of, we're inside of 5%, you know, inflation peaked in June of 2022 at 9.1%. So I like to continue to give that perspective. we've cut it, you know, we're, we're ver- on the verge of cutting it in half, right? Yeah, and, and you, some could argue that what the Federal Reserve has done is starting to show up. Absolutely. So that's you're starting to see. You're starting to see, Absolutely. You're
0: starting to see the tight end policy show
1: up, which is causing that decrease. Here. Absolutely. And, you know, core, core CPI, which first-time listeners, you know, core CPI just takes off food and energy costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that went down as well, uh, went down from 56 to 5.5%. So we would consider that to be, all in all a a win, generally speaking. I think that we didn't necessarily get the windfall of reduction in rates that we were hoping for. And really the the problem is that the core CPI is appearing to be a little stickier, which the Federal Reserve is more heavily dependent on that because food and energy costs are so volatile. They're much more difficult to project. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of macro factors that impact that. So I think the fact that the core CPI isn't coming down as quickly for the markets that's a little bit of a challenge um with respect to mortgage rates because we're not necessarily seeing that core rate come down as quickly as they would like to but all in all still a win i mean any month that inflation is going down is a win for for the market and the fed's quest to to try to get inflation to their 2% target right um you know so that was kind of kind of first and foremost when that happened we saw rates dip pretty considerably. They went down closer to the six and a half range. So we did see a, a pretty nice little windfall there. Uh, but the back half of the month was a little bit more troublesome for mortgage rates. And, you know, there there were a few different things that that kind of pointed to as as factors that contributed to that. I think first and foremost, the Federal Reserve voting members continue to come out in the media and say, we're going to continue hiking rates. We got to hike, we got to hike, we got to hike, we got to hike. And they continue to beat that drum, even though, for multiple consecutive months here, inflation is coming down considerably. You know, they, they want to fix 10 years of low interest rates in six months and, and not, not having inflation at 2%, and we continue to hear them beat the drum on that, and that right. that doesn't do anything to help with, with interest rates coming down because the markets hear that information and, you know, that all they hear is rates are going up, rates are going up, rates are going so up.
0: what would cause the Federal Reserve to keep coming out and beating that drum? Why are they beating that? What are they trying to accomplish?
1: Well, I think that they want. Uh, well, first of all, they're looking at lagging data, right? Right. They're not seeing real time data reflective of what interest rates, or excuse me, what inflation is actually doing. Um, but I think that they want. They don't want the markets to rally around the thought process that inflation is coming down. They want to keep pumping that information into the system so that the markets don't say we're winning the fight against inflation. Let's go do things to create inflation.
0: Right. <laughs> and so what they, they have a target rate of inflation they want to hit, right? <clears throat> That's the Federal Reserve. That's where they're beating the drum. We haven't yes. got to that target rate yet. So therefore, even though we're looking at lagging data, we're going to continue to stay the course because we haven't got yep. we haven't got the number we're trying to achieve yet. So yep. because of that, more raise, more raise, more raise is kind of the 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 beating of the drum that you refer to there. You know, and what I find interesting about that from the Federal Reserve is they continue to send that pulse to the market that they're going to raise rates and continue to apply financial pressures to the markets, whether it's in the regional banking sector, whether it's on Wall Street. And it's almost like, to your point, Wall Street's just looking for that one thing to hold on to to get this rally, to to kind of build it into the market. That's why, you know, you look at some of these – all the indicators, all the indicators are showing that that we've done enough, that it's going to happen, right? It's on track to happen, except – this job indicators, right? The job, we're getting terrible job readings in the form of, we don't know if they're accurate. We don't know why they are giving the signals they're giving, but you would think that with all the constriction in the manufacturing indexes that we're seeing, that there would be less jobs because there's less output. But yet we're seeing all these job market, excuse me, all these jobs from the ADP and the BLS come in way over expectations, which are basically contradicting everything we're seeing on the manufacturing side. So it's almost like someone's not telling the truth. We don't know what's going on there. And it's not, that's not helping the federal reserve and that's not helping their decision making either because they don't see a little constriction in the
1: job market. Well, to your point on the job on the jobs reports just really quickly. So the the good news on the job reports of recent has been wage inflation is going down. Yes. Meaning that wages on a month month to month or on an annualized basis are coming down. People are not getting the pay increases as as rapidly as they were, which once again, you know, we say good. I mean, I realize it's a, we're not here saying we don't want people to make more money. But from an inflation standpoint, the Federal Reserve does not want to see wage inflation. They don't want to see wages continue to go up because that means purchasing power is higher. People will spend Mm -hmm. more money. Inflation will be sticky. So we're not, we're not here advocating that we want people to make less money. We want people to make all the money that they want. But from a standpoint of how that impacts inflation, you know, higher wages, it just exacerbates the inflation problem. Correct. But the good news is we're seeing that come down. Now it's not coming down significantly. It's kind of coming down. It's it's ticking down slowly. Yeah.
0: And we saw that in the jobs report, in the Jolts report, right? The Jolts report, we had, what was it? The amount of people that had voluntarily quit went yep. down significantly. And so when that number comes down significantly, that usually means like, hey, listen, you, Daniel, aren't quitting a job to go take a higher paying job right? It typically means that, okay, I'm, I'm kind of maxed out my pay and I'm happy where I'm at.
1: Sure. So that's, I mean, that's the good news on the job report. Kind of the the head scratcher is, you know, there's one component of the jobs report, the, the BLS jobs report, that is a household survey. <laughs> the household survey is is what you think it is. They're calling and surveying households, and, mm-hmm. and that's reporting job losses yep. of a pretty significant amount. But the job reports coming out, you know, I think the most recent job report, both ADP and BLS came in, one and a half times, maybe even more than one and a half times the expected number of jobs, meaning that they created one and a half times more jobs than were anticipated. Correct. Which begs the question, are people losing jobs that they want and taking jobs that are maybe not quite as favorable? Um, you know the household th- that's the immediate thought process when I see the household survey of of reporting job losses is is maybe people are losing a job that they really liked and they're maybe taking another job somewhere else. Um, and we'll, you know, obviously not, not possible to, to, to give a definitive answer on that, but it's just something it's interesting. It does make you wonder. It's interesting that the household survey is telling a different story than the headline BLS numbers. Correct. So it also makes you wonder how many people were having two jobs. Lost one,
0: still carry one, right? right. We see that. We knew a lot of people were were having two jobs at one capacity, especially working from home. So there's some other things adding these rates in here where the bank collapses um, that happened over the previous months that were basically causing people to take money from the banks and go put it in these short-term interest – well, I guess the money market funds where short-term interest rates are really – really showing up in the form of high interest yields over the short term. And that's just something that we really haven't experienced. I mean, in in my lifetime, I don't remember it ever being like this. I mean, obviously, when I was really young, this kind of happened. But I mean, I was as an infant, couldn't even possibly remember this. But I mean, we're looking at right now, 6% in some cases on those money market funds. I mean, definitely in the fives. And there's not a bank right now that can sustain that type of depository payment towards someone and still go lend that money and make money somewhere. So that's applying a tremendous amount of pressure to the banking system.
1: Yeah, to to your point, I mean, you can take your money out of a checking account right now and go make 5-plus percent in a money market liquid fund, which is... Yeah, I remember a, a and year- you don't need FDIC insurance for that. Right, I remember a year ago, we came on here talking about I-bonds and you know, the mm-hmm. seven, eight, 9% yields, and it was like, man, this is crazy, right? Right. Uh, but you get, at least have to lock your money up in that and you have to keep it in there. Now you can go move your money into something making, like I said, five plus percent that's liquid. Um, so it's you know, it's interesting, but but to explain why that's impacting mortgage rates specifically, people are moving their money out of, Checking account, you know, if I bank at ABC Bank, I'm moving that money out of checking, and I'm moving it into a money market fund, which is not a money market account at that bank. Right, it is a money market fund, uh, an investment fund, where I'm, I'm pulling, putting that money in there, um, and it's still liquid, but it's you know, it's it's technically money invested. But I'm pulling it out of a bank deposit. I'm putting it into another vehicle, which means banks are losing deposits, and they're losing the ability to go out and and write new loans, you know, and, and to bring that home on how that's impacting mortgage rates as they're losing deposits. We talked about this with, you know, with, with Silicon Valley bank and and some of the backlash of that, but essentially banks are having to sell assets to raise capital to make up for the lack of deposits. So what are they doing? A lot of them are selling 10 year treasury bonds. Yes. And the excess supply of treasury bonds is coming not just from that, but also keep in mind, the Federal Reserve is doing quantitative tightening. So for the last, the better part of the last 10 years, they were buying treasuries. They were, they were keeping the price or the yield on the 10-year treasury low because they were buying a lot of them. Now, I know they stopped buying them, but as these treasuries mature, they're flooding the market with them. Mm-hmm. So they're not reinvesting that money at least in in you know buying bonds as they come off the balance sheet. So you're you've basically got banks flooding the market with ten year treasuries. You've got um, the Federal Reserve's balance sheet coming off and and we're releasing additional um, supply of of ten year treasuries into the market. Which basically at that point investors are going to say, hey, if I can buy a ten year treasury at three point seven three point eight percent. I'm going to buy that instead of buying mortgage-backed securities. So, because that's guaranteed by the government. Correct. Yeah. So, I could maybe I can make a little bit more on mortgage-backed securities, but there's also risk, right? Yeah. People don't always pay their mortgages on time. <laughs> right. So, you know, I know that's kind of in the weeds a little bit, but it's it's an interesting thing that that it's a dynamic that we couldn't have possibly predicted happening that is impacting mortgage rates coming down.
0: Well, typically, I mean, you, yeah, you would never have thought that. You know, at some point, there's not this flood of 10-year treasuries on the market. And it's a more attractive instrument if you're trying to build an asset that is risky, less riskier, right, than a mortgage-backed security. Sure. And also coupled with the fact that the debt ceiling that we just recently saw where an agreement took place, and let's face it, it was to suspend the debt ceiling for two years, right, where the budget can't go up by more than 1% in certain categories except military. The budget's currently $2 trillion. It's going to go up. But who cares? The debt is suspended, so it's going to pass through through 2025. How do they create the issuance of new money? going to issue more bonds. They're going to issue more treasuries, right? So the market's going to continue to be flooded again with that. So it is a compounding effect that takes place there. And the market's not stupid. They already know that. They're pricing that in. You're starting to see that in the the measures that are showing up right now. But it does add to the conundrum that we're seeing in the mortgage rate market itself. Yeah, I mean, generally
1: speaking, a 10-year, it sits at about 3.7, as we talked today. Mm -hmm. That would generally yield a... uh, a, The correlation would be mortgage rates in the mid-fives. Absolutely. History would, shows
0: us this is not the first time we've been at 3.7, right? On a yep. 10-year treasury. That rate correlates to 5.75. Yep. Right. Not not six seven, six eight three.
1: Correct. So when when we talked this was a while ago, we talked about the spread between the 10 year right. and mortgage rates is significantly elevated. There's a lot of room for that to come down as inflation hopefully continues to come down. But the, the dynamic that we didn't foresee is this flooding of supply of 10-year treasuries in the market. Generally speaking, with a normal supply of those as the as the demand for those goes up the yield comes down so then people start buying or, or say investors rather start to buy mortgage backed securities but now the supply is being flooded to the point where 10 year treasuries are are in excess and you yep. can continue to get them at attractive yields so it's just something that it, it will sort itself out this will you know normalize a little bit we we have not changed our stance that so we think the mortgage rates are going to come down but there's just some factors in play right now that are making that a little bit challenging and that's just another you know another another thing that there's no way that you could possibly project but it is certainly a drag on mortgage rates right now.
0: Yeah, you you just illustrated something so eloquently i want to point out the supply demand, the reversal of what we were just talking about. There's too much supplies of the treasuries in the market, not enough demand for it. So because of that, you're starting to see the weakening of mortgage interest rates by the increase of them, right? So they're having to create more demand by making the yields higher. And so that's the challenge that we're seeing happen right now. And the the impact of that is higher interest rates. It is a temporary impact because eventually the supply demand will meet, um, will meet at a more even ground than what it's doing right now. But as of now, the 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 impact of that is higher mortgage interest rates. Absolutely.
1: And the last thing that really sent some shockwaves interest rate-wise in the month of, of May was the debt ceiling stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know, essentially the debt ceiling impacts the financial markets in general, because they start to price in the risk of, well, what if the federal government defaults, right? Right. And the fear in the market, generally fear is never a good thing for the financial markets. So we saw interest rates spike up. We went back above 7% for the better part of a week. And then as soon as that debt ceiling, you know, even once the, they came to a tentative agreement, we saw rates come down mm-hmm. pretty considerably the following week. So, you know, we've moved past that. And I think that our next data point with interest rates that really is going to make a big possibly move the market is that June 13th inflation. <coughs> the CPI uh, data that in, comes out. In, and there are we're already starting to see shelter costs lower and lower. Uh, we're starting to finally see that come down in the inflation readings. And eventually, I mean, I know we've been talking for a while about this, but eventually we're going to see- It's going to happen. We're going to see a, a, a report come out and we're going to see a big, big drop in inflation, right. you know, a half percent drop yeah. in inflation. And when you start to see something like that, then we could be, I mean, it could be a perfect storm of rates are coming down as we move into the summer months when folks are most interested in selling and buying. I mean, we, we could have a really perfect storm of opportunity here mm-hmm. over the course of the next 60 days. So I know we continue to, you know, I, I wouldn't say we we I wouldn't say we pump sunshine every, every time we talk because we've talked about some pretty not sunshiny things. But, but you I mean, know, this is a reality, you know, it's, it looks like that's what's heading this way.
0: And quite honestly, you know, I mean, to your point, The CPI index comes out on the 13th. The Federal Reserve meets on the 13th. So they're going to have 24 hours to digest that report before they make their, you know, the FOMC announcement. Odds are, if it looks good, you know, there could be some things that are that are in the favors for the market. Um, I'm not saying that's going to stop the Federal Reserve from doing that quarter rate hike that everyone's kind of anticipating right now, yep. but it could give, lead to some commentary that the market would be mm-hmm. looking for from Powell as he takes the, the podium there on the 14th.
1: If ever there was a, a good time for this meeting, it's the day after this inflation. I and mean, if we do see a, a nice move like that, I, you know, a half percent lower, I mean, you'd have to think they would pause. You really would hope they would pause. Sure. But but I think we're poised very soon to start to see some some relief on rates, and it really could, like I said, could come at the the perfect time as the market is, is heating up and people are doing their thing over the summer. So something to remain to be seen. We're obviously intently focused on it, and you know, um, any anyone that has questions about that, any of our audience or partners, um, it's something that that I think we'll be sitting in a much better spot rate-wise over the course of the next 60 to 90
0: days. Yeah, so if I'm a real estate agent, I'm taking away a couple of things from this this podcast today. I'm taking away from national news is telling me we're in a bubble the data shows that we're not. National News is telling me that people aren't buying homes when, in fact, we're about to set the fourth best year of people buying homes in the form of volumes. Uh, there's an argument that could be made. The units may not be at that height, but the volume is, right? Well, and, if you're an agent, I mean, you get paid on the sales price. There you go. Sorry. Right. And then the third thing is that <laughs> rates, are, rates are going to cooperate, but even at not the level of cooperation that we want right now, we're still setting that fourth best year in volume. So you're still having transactions take place and we're seeing multiple offers. Buyers are settling in and there's opportunities that you can hedge against some of those future rate increases by taking advantage of some of the Florida housing loans that are available right now. So uh, I just thought there was a
1: lot of data that was
0: jam-packed in this lending update and just kind of wanted to recap it there at the end because there's some good
1: stuff in there to There's a a ton of good in the market right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's, That's the takeaway. Ton of good in the market, Interest rates may help us out a little bit further, but even all, interest rates aside. You know, Business is getting done. Businesses. There's a lot of stuff
0: to be had out there. Don't let the news fool you. Don't let the Debbie Downers mm-hmm. fool you. Take advantage of what the game gives you right now. And there's a lot of good going on. Probably fourth best year you're going to see in real estate right now. But if you listen to the headlines, they make you think it's doom and gloom. We're in 2008 all over again.
1: You nailed it. Yeah. Hey, Daniel, thanks That's... for
0: being on the show as always. Where can our listeners get more information about
1: you and your team over at Bank of England? You can check out Bank of England online at boejax.com. Give our team a call at 904-992-1000. We'd love to speak with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, thank you for making us a top five globally listened to podcast. Can't thank you enough for that. Hey, I'd want to give a shout out to one of our special listeners, Rosemary Nodden. You are literally the, you're our number one fan. Every time you see me in public, you track us down, let us know you listen to every episode, and then you tell me about it. So I absolutely know you're listening to it. Thank you for all you do for us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like this five star of this podcast, share it with a friend, share it with a family member, do it through Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and always subscribe to our YouTube channel as we've got extras online that we don't show on the uh, podcast itself. Thanks again for being on the show, Daniel.
1: You got it, ma'am. I got
0: one more shot. I'm going to make it. One more chance. I'm going to take it. I meant it when I said it. Now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live. So i put them all into it. Yeah.